Happy Friday, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. We're continuing our Sunbelt in Review series today. It's episode nine, and we're going to focus on the App State Mountaineers, a team, Caden, that I know you were disappointed with at times this year. They underperformed some expectations. We hope that you've been able to catch the last couple episodes in our Sunbelt in Review series where we took an in-depth look at Marshall's nine-win campaign with the help of Herald Dispatch reporter Luke Creasy. And then on Wednesday's episode, we spent time with ABC 22 anchor Frank Solkowski, who broke down what led to Georgia Southern's resurgent season. If you missed those episodes, you can find them by clicking the link in our Twitter bio or by visiting Apple or Spotify in the coming days. We'd certainly recommend that you do that. We're more than halfway through this Sunbelt in Review series, uh, where we've taken a closer look at each Sunbelt school's 2022 season with the help of the experts who cover them on a daily basis. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the 6-6 six and six App State Mountaineers who, Caden, despite some early season fireworks, they failed to reach a bowl game for the first time in program history. Yeah, everyone knows I was a little bit invested in this team a little bit. And I will say and admit that maybe I became a little bit of an armchair fan, an armchair coach being removed from the program. But the person that we're talking to this week was, you could argue, didn't get no one got as close to this team as she did as she was right there in the action and in the mix for a lot of this season. Hey, Molly's great. She does a great job covering the sidelines for App State, and she brought a lot of great insight uh, in this episode. But on this episode, we're excited to welcome 730 The Game radio host as well as the App State sideline reporter Molly Cotton, who covers this team to the Frary and Smith podcast to break down App State's disappointing season. Caden, tell our listeners a little bit more about what they will hear on this episode from Molly. Yeah, I think aside from Coastal Carolina, if you look at this App State team compared to what they had going on last year to this year, there's a ton of question marks that need to be answered, whether it's players, coaches, all all across the board for this team. And Molly answered a lot of them. She's personally my favorite sideline reporter in the conference. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with the one and only Molly Cotton. Well, we're really excited to have Molly Cotton on the podcast here today. She serves as the sideline reporter for App State, as well as covering the team for 730 The Game down in Charlotte. Molly, thanks for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk App State football. It's always a good day when you get to talk App State. Well, this is the episode that Caden has been waiting for all year long. He gets to spend an entire episode just talking about App State football. So we'll jump right in. Uh, Molly, it was largely, I think, just a disappointing season based on maybe some of the standards that have been set in prior years for this App State program. This is a program used to competing for conference championships and in bowl games neither happened this year. What felt different about this team compared to past App State teams? You know, I don't think anything felt different for me until towards the end of the season because what I thought was going to be a real turning point and a monumental game was a Wednesday night against Georgia State. And the way that this team came out in the second half specifically, I'm like, okay, this is App State football. Like I had plenty of doubters and plenty of critics coming after me or at me talking App State and they're huge App State football fans and they were disappointing in the season, even in that first half against Georgia State. And then following that game, they're like, okay, we'll see. I'm like, no, no, there's something different on the sidelines. The way they responded, Sean Clark in on every huddle, into the offensive line, talking to the defense. Like there was something different about that game. And I thought that that was going to be the turning point and the real catalyst. Like I, I truly bought into that. But in terms of what was different, I think it was just 
not having that response. Look, this is an excuse to talk about the emotional ups and downs of what September brought, but this team started to feel themselves. I mean, how can you not when you're the team, the program that brought college game day and Pat McAfee to boo North Carolina. Like you were on the map. You had the miracle on the mountain 2.0 in that game. Like things couldn't be going any better. Even after a loss to Carolina earlier in the season, it was still a pretty good loss. Um, But I don't think this team ever appropriately responded, right? Whether it was from the highs and lows of the way the season started in September or consistently getting that game and the emotions and performance that we got uh, in that second half against Georgia State at Kid Brewer Stadium. Great to see you, Molly. I think I agree with a lot of what you said about the ebbs and flows of the season and the team's response to that. But one of the highlights and the highest points of this season was in week two when App State goes to Texas A&M and gets that win in front of a sellout crowd. You were at the game. What are just going to be some of the things that you remember from that scene the most at College Station? I actually wasn't at the game because I didn't travel this year to Texas A&M. The, like, the, the, seriously, like, Molly, you missed a big opportunity. For my kid, too, by the way. I'm like, oh, man, are you worth it? I, <laughs> spoiler alert, I guess he is. Um, but And I know David Wary filled in for a lot of the road games was on that game. But watching it from a fan perspective was incredibly special. And watching Sean Clark after that game is why I love – App State football and Sean Clark. Like, I am a homer. I will go to bat for Sean Clark no matter what. You can absolutely make fun of me and the culture that he brings to this program, but I buy into it and I believe it. And his emotions and the response, what that meant to him, what that meant to this program, being able to watch it on television and like, wow, this is App State. This is what it's like to be a fan and be all in was just something so different and so special. And this program... You're used to moments like that. We're not used to the rest of the season that we got for App State, but this shouldn't have been a surprise. And really, in the end, considering what Texas A&M was this season, I guess it wasn't a surprise of what App State was able to do. Yeah, Molly, you know, the good thing is on this episode, you can be a bit of a homer with App State. And so I think that's a good thing. You know, you mentioned that Texas A&M win after that game. It's announced that college game day is coming to Boone for that first conference game against Troy that week, we heard a lot about mousetraps around the facility. They ended up winning that week, but it ended up kind of being the high point of the season. You kind of briefly touched on this earlier, but do you feel like after everything that happened through those first three weeks that this team did eat that cheese a little bit? I think so. Yeah. And how can you not? Right. And it's not, it doesn't say anything about the coaches or the leaders, but you're in a different phase here, like where App State has been and where Jerry Moore and all of these greats have built this program. I did bring up the generations and the social media, but you're in it like you're all over the place. You see yourselves all over the place. And honestly, you're used to being that successful. And then it comes with that next level of notoriety. Now, where I get frustrated is with all everyone going all in on app. And I know that's what you want, but I'm like, this is for a moment for a lot of people, right? Like, sorry, Marty Smith jumping in Duck Pond and being all in to App State for a week. Like, come on. Like, we need real longevity, sustainability. And that's what App State fans are. And then you get the more national folks are like, oh, yeah, let's let's trend on Twitter for a few weeks. But I, I think absolutely everybody ate into it. And again, I don't blame them. It's just they never found, 
I think that happy medium. It was always the high of September and college game day. And, oh, we've had some lows. We've had a loss. But, hey, we'll bounce back because that's what App State does. And then it just never happened. I think that's a great point with the social media, Molly. I think back to the 2019 that had all that success beating South Carolina and North Carolina. And I can't imagine if that happened with the social media age and some of the changes we've seen to college football now and having to not eat that cheese. I think that's a great point. But the end of the season was a disappointing one for App State. Lose to a team that we never like to lose to in Georgia Southern at the end of the year. What's been the messaging after that? I think App State's now in a position with Coach Clark and the team where they're in a position they haven't been in in a long time, having to bounce back in that situation. What's the messaging from Coach Clark been like heading into the offseason and just the vibe of the team? You know, that's a good question. It's interesting because I'm not sure you really need messaging because if this team doesn't get what this year was for this program, like a disappointment, then messaging isn't going to help these individuals. But obviously it is about responding and knowing that this year was a down year, but taking some positives away from it. Look, you've got a lot of change, a lot of transition um, in this program at quarterback, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, you name it. It's not easy for a head coach and Sean Clark. He's certainly been given some challenges, but the message has got to be this is not what App State football is. And you look at this program and the guys that, and I know they're not all still with this program, that, but that fought for Sean Clark to be the head coach, right? It was a whole campaign for him to be the head coach. You can't let him down. You can't let yourselves down of fighting for this guy to be your guy. And now he's going to be the face of the problem. He's going to be the fall guy at one point if you have another disappointing season or if it doesn't work out. And look, it is all the caveat of, oh, wow, disappointing, you know, but, but yeah, you, you six wins, you don't make it into a bowl game because of that, those two FCS wins. I think it's okay to call this season disappointing. And this team absolutely needs that reality check. And if it, if it wasn't, the final game against Georgia Southern that didn't get App State to be bowl eligible, that's not enough of a reality check. If losing to Marshall isn't enough of a reality check, then this team has way more problems with it than the X's and O's and what's happening on the football field heading into 2023. Obviously, we saw some of that start to be addressed. There's a change at defensive coordinator and some news that we just got as we're recording this episode that we'll get into in a second. But even, you know, this episode will go out later in the month, but just yesterday we saw Kevin Barbet announced as the new offensive coordinator at Mississippi State. Uh, and so now both of those roles are open. We did just find out that Scott Sloan was coming back to the program. I know Caden is very high on him as a defensive coordinator. What do you think this program needs right now from those positions? You want to say consistency, but you don't have it. You already don't have the consistency. I mean, six um, six offensive coordinators in six years. You already know the head coach positions, right? It's been more consistent with Sean Clark, but you've had so much transition even there at, at this program. And now with Scott Sloan, look, I love what you had on the defense. I'm shocked that the defense was the way it was this past season. I mean, that's not the inexperience. I think we didn't realize enough. I don't think we gave enough credit to the inexperience that was going to be on that side of the ball. And it was all about offense and the wide receivers taking over, right? And the sexy positions. I think defense didn't get as enough of a, hey, this could be a an issue, at least early on in the season. I would have hoped to see more of that development and obviously improvement as the year went on. But it's my answer is consistency. But again, it's tough 
because you don't have that right now with the influx of coaches. Now, you still have the App State culture that you're bringing in with Scott Sloan, who I do like a lot uh, as this defensive coordinator. I do think that is uh, an upgrade that you're going to see on this side of the ball heading into 2023. But I think you need that that consistent messaging and that App State culture brought, and at least Scott Sloan brings that on the defensive side, we'll see what offense brings with the offensive coordinator, which Kevin Barbe, I mean, was a huge step up. I think there was even questions there at, at times with the offensive play calling for the Mountaineers. Molly, this team historically has been very fortunate at the quarterback position. Even in my extended tenure at Half State, I saw Taylor Lamb, I saw Zach Thomas, I saw Chase Bryce. Now with Chase gone, we're looking at some younger talent. We bring in a Juco product in Jose Aguilar. What do you think this position's going to look like for the 2023 season? I'm nervous about that one because <laughs> I think Chase Bryce got I, I don't think he it's weird I don't know if he got enough credit like is that he should have gotten I mean I'll go back to the Carolina game and everybody's starting the Drake May Heisman campaign talk which is fine you're talking about a guy who won that game I get it but Chase Bryce had a heck of a game in that one, and he wasn't the quarterback a lot of people were talking about. So while I understand there are throws or mistakes that Chase Bryce made, I think the really good stuff he didn't get all the credit for consistently um, for any of his stops in college football, but even as an App State quarterback. And now when we talk last year and the offense, and it was all about Chase Bryce, how he was going to find that consistency and chemistry with the wide receivers, I think that ended up working out and now you bring a new quarterback in here who we have no idea right of any of these guys truly and then you add on the fact of what this season was for App State and offense and the team overall it adds that extra layer of uncertainty and hesitancy so while you are not used to this program and the record that it finished with this year we're now talking about not being used to a new quarterback that none of us know about. Um, I like the, the the guys that you have in that room right now, the competition, of course, and you also hope that the guys who have been around with Chase Bryce, you just feed off of that, right? Again, you don't know who's going to end up. Maybe it's Sujuko. Maybe it's, maybe it's Berger. You don't know who's going to be that guy at this point, but the ones that have been in this program and – being led by Chase Bryce, you hope that does make a difference for those in this transition and in these next few months. I will definitely echo everything you said about Chase Bryce because when you look at the numbers this year, he actually statistically, you could say, had a better year this year than last year. And you look at his overall numbers over the last two seasons, he's been outstanding. Molly, we wanted to ask too just about the rushing attack. That's kind of the identity of this App State team. And for the first time since 2011, they didn't have a thousand yard rusher this year. I know injuries played kind of a big role in that, but what was your assessment of that running back room and that rushing attack that I think going into the season, everyone thought was going to be the best unit on this team? Right. I mean, it's running back you at App State, right? That's what we're used to when you talk about the stats and the numbers. It's like, what? That was that was the least of our concerns of what this offense was going to be able to do is the success on the ground. Injuries play a role. It's tough to get the rhythm and consistency when you have those guys being injured. And look, Cam Peoples was really important for this program. He meant a lot. I think durability was it's just it was always a question for me when it came to Cam Peoples and consistently playing for an entire season. The offensive line, I mean, I hate to put it's not all on the offensive line, but as much as the running backs 
were a surprise. The offensive line was as much as a surprise to me. I mean, this was a group that was getting uh, recognized nationally ahead of the season. And this is a group with Sean Clark as a head coach. Offensive line has got to be good. It's got to be consistently good. There were times they were just not getting the push. They were not getting the holes uh, open for these running backs. So it's the running game was a surprise and it comes down to the running backs. It comes down to durability, not being a consistently out there play calling at times, I think, but I think it all just works together. And in the offensive line being as much as a surprise is not being that group that we thought we were going to get this season under Sean Clark, especially. Same thing with the defense this year, Molly. I think the expectations that we're used to seeing and accustomed to seeing from this App State defense was just wasn't met this year. If we look at this, this year that they had on that side of the ball, what were, I think, the reasons that you think maybe were why the defense wasn't as successful this year? Was it depth? Was it leadership? Maybe some of those injuries and play calling? What would you point to? You know, I don't want to question leadership, but I think it, it is a, a valid point because there's just a different makeup on this team. They weren't as... You didn't have as vocal of defensive guys on the sidelines, from my perspective, as what you've had in years past for App State. And there was a lot of miscommunication at times. And I brought up earlier the inexperience that you had on that side. That was real. I don't think it was talked about enough. But that excuse is only going to last for so long, right? Then you're going to want to see the the production and the improvement and development. And while especially at the linebacker position, you did take uh, and have some pretty significant injuries, I, I can't say, oh, this was just an inexperienced group because you never felt that you saw drastic improvements from the inexperience. I mean, not being able to get off the field on third and longs multiple, multiple, multiple times, right? Throughout the season, there was a lot of miscommunication. And does it start with the coaching staff and then trickle down with these players? I don't know, but I think some of that does come on the leadership. And again, I'm not questioning their leadership. It's just a different makeup of leaders. I think of what you had with this defense this year than what you've had in the past. Yeah, another great point there. I know that I spent plenty of time texting back and forth just with Caden about some of those things that you're talking about, and it was definitely interesting to watch it play out. Molly, as we head into the offseason, we've recently seen the, the program announce kind of that transfer portal class. There was eight players. We saw a lot of guys with Power 5 experience. We're seeing maybe them recruit differently a little bit with some bigger defensive linemen, taller guys. Um, what impact do you see kind of that transfer portal group playing on next year's team? I think it'll be significant. And I think it has to be because that's what people are using the transfer portal now, right? I mean, you can completely change the makeup of your team from one season to another because of the transfer portal and getting these guys in and getting the right fit. And I think going after those, those bigger defensive linemen is key uh, to get after the opposing quarterbacks and to have more of that, that run stopping ability, just to be more of that, that fear defense, if you will, of what we're used to for App State defense, which has been ranked nationally recently outside of last year, which again was why it was such a surprise. But the transfer portal is going to have a huge impact on App State and heading into next year. And kudos to this coaching staff and any coaching staff out there that does make the adjustments because you have to. Because if you don't, you're getting stuck and you're falling behind. And this is not a time in the Sun Belt where you have any any room to fall behind, especially for Sean Clark, who 
I don't know if he's necessarily coaching for his job next season. If you ask fans, he absolutely is. But we talked how you fell below expectations. And some of that is, hey, you've got a, a premier group of five league in the Sun Belt. I struggle with that as well because I'm like, is the Sun Belt that good or did App State you know, struggle at times. I think that both of these things can be true. But to have that drastic improvement and that quick improvement, you got to hit the transfer portal and you got to make you sh- make sure that these guys come in quickly, get acclimated, and there's really no grace period at this point. It's getting off to that fast start because that's another thing. I mean, the Mountaineers program who has their feet to the fire, you've got to have a, a good start to the season, a competitive start to the season to at least maybe get the yells down to whispers of this team is crumbling beneath before our eyes. It's definitely been interesting to watch the transfer portal relevance get more and more important with this team. Cause I remember the early years of us getting transfers. Those were people that really weren't making a ton of a difference. And now you see the yeah, chase, didn't happen. you see the chase Bryce is now the Madison cones and, and so on and so forth. And there's definitely a different expectation and standard to that, but staying on the recruiting side and going to the high school side of things this is one of the top ranked recruiting classes in the Sun Belt this year. Who are some highlights of that class or maybe some guys or some players that the staff and the program are a little bit excited about? I think when you look at the the youth on this team or, or those guys stepping in here, uh, you've got it. It does come down to that culture, right, and that fit. And it's not just the what they're going to do on the field; it's the intangible. So that's what I like as well is how this group has gotten out. They've recruited. They've gone after the quick, athletic, physical guys because that's what you need in the Sun Belt. I mean, when we talk the transfer portal in App State, what they've gotten here in this transfer portal. Look at Coastal Carolina. You think they're going to lose their quarterback to the transfer portal? You're like, okay, nice. Now he's back there with the Chanticleers. But for App State and what they've been able to recruit. I think it's just a physicality and getting those guys that you're so used to for the Mountaineers, like the physical, tough type guys. That's what I like in this recruiting class, more so than the skill positions, right? Or or what necessarily the positions they bring or they play. You need that different kind of attitude. And I think some of those guys bring that in this class. It'll be interesting to see. I know when I started this podcast, I was looking for a physical, tough, great player recruiting to this podcast. I walked away with Caden Smith. Uh, That worked out pretty well for me, but uh, talk to us about Chase Bryce. We spent a little bit of time on him earlier on in this episode. In his two seasons, he really did pass that eye test. He had some great numbers, won this team, a lot of football games, but Molly, I think what's been disappointing is when you check social media, he sometimes is maybe scrutinized and even sometimes a bit unfairly blamed for some of these team shortcomings over the past two seasons, what do you think his legacy at App State is going to be as we look into the future? Oh, really good question. Because, and while we all agree, right, he gets unfairly criticized at times. Then when you bring up legacy and Caden talks about the guys that have been at App State outside of Chase Bryce, it's like, man, he, he ain't them. He's, he's not a Zach Thomas. He's not a Taylor Lamb. And I think maybe it, for me, it probably comes down to like the longevity and just having those, those OGs right in this program at the quarterback position, whereas Chase Bryce, which again, it, it's different because this, you're talking about a different college football landscape, college athletics landscape right now of the transfer portal. But I think Chase Bryce will go down for fans his legacy 
underwhelming, which I don't think is fair. I don't think it's right. But when you compare it to, again, the guys that we're talking about who did bring so much success to App State, you're talking about a, a team and a quarterback here in these past couple of years that they don't have a Sun Belt championship. That was the expectation. That is the expectation. Uh, and so, unfortunately, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I think fans view that uh, this legacy will be memorable because of the, the social media aspect of it, right? And bringing fans off the wall after that uh, Hail Mary against Troy. But I think overall, underwhelming. Because I think, again, people can point to, oh, look at the wide receivers he had. Look, right, the Corey Suttons and the Thomas Hennigans. And then when you had those more not as known wide receivers, while his numbers backed it up with how good he was this year, I think they'll just point to everything of why all the reasons Chase Bryce was successful, not because of Chase Bryce, but what he had around him. I think that's a great point, Molly. And I think it's safe to say ever since Armani Edwards made his impact on the program that that quarterback position has just been some very big shoes to fill ever since. And it's tough. I hate saying that. But then, yeah, when you talk to other guys like, oh, man, Chase is great guy. Like, oh, but he's just he's not like that that guy that comes to mind of App State football quarterbacks. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think it's 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 tough when you look at the production, what he did versus the wins and losses, what this program cares about. It's definitely a, a tough battle to have with what the reality of the season was and what he was able to do. But last question for you, Molly, we've talked about who's coming into this program, who's leaving this program, some of the changes that they're seeing. I think you look at this non-conference schedule, there's some winnable games. They run it back with UNC, have Garner Webb on the schedule, ECU, Wyoming. We're going to make you pull out the crystal ball, Molly. If you had to make your prediction of what next season is going to look like, this App State team in 2023, what are your expectations for this team? Oh, asking the App State sideline reporter what my expectations, what my crystal ball says. If that's the case, then it's a Sun Belt championship. <laughs> um, no, I won't say Sun Belt championship. Look, I will say I have this weird, um, I won't say hatred. I guess I'll say hatred. Hatred for Carolina. I think they're just disgustingly overrated. Okay. I think Mac Brown overrated. Great job. I am pleased that you can recruit. That's clearly not paid off uh, in in full to what you can do on the football field. Well done. You made it to Charlotte in an ACC championship game of what feels like the bottom of the barrel of the ACC. Um, so I'm not I'm not a huge Carolina fan. Um, and I I would like to see App State win that game. And look, Drake May, I can't, I tried to make, oh, like, let's simmer down on Drake May. That's not true. He's a very good quarterback. That's going to be a big challenge for App State. But I think overall, Carolina, we saw how this game went this past year. Absolutely, App State, even on the road, should not just be competitive. They should win that game again. Um, and like they did back in, what, a few years ago, 2019, off that field goal. So that's just a specific game. But <laughs> I think overall, App State, I'll say they're compete. They they are in a Sun Belt championship. I won't go as far as saying they win a Sun Belt championship, but I think this is the, the season because you know everything that's at stake for Sean Clark. This program we talked about. If this season wasn't enough of a reality check for these players for this program, then maybe it's not for you. I think there's a huge response from within this team, leaders stepping up in ways that maybe you didn't get this year. And this is, again, a Sunbelt team. 
Sunbelt Championship team. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely see. I think, obviously, we've seen one of the coordinators' names still waiting to see who that offensive coordinator will be. But there's a lot of teams in this East that I think have high hopes for next year. And Molly, as you know, there's only so many wins to go around. So it will be certainly interesting. Really appreciate you taking some time to jump on. I know I've enjoyed the banter between you and Caden. And uh, you're always welcome uh, on the Frere and Smith podcast moving forward. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Caden, you said before that interview that she was your favorite sideline reporter in the conference, and I'm going to dare say she was one of mine. This is one of the best, I think, interviews that we've done so far, and it was a team that had so many questions, so many storylines, probably not to the level of a Coastal Carolina that turned into a little bit of a sideshow at the end of the year, but this is an App State team. At times this year, they really felt like they disappointed. There was that huge start to the year. I thought it was interesting to hear Molly talk about how she really did feel like that team ate the cheese at that point of the year. And to her point, it was hard not to. Definitely. Success is a hard thing to handle. And I think sometimes it's harder to handle than failure when you're a team that has that tradition and culture of doing that consistently. And you do have now some people hyping you up and lifting you up. It's easy to become a victim, especially with social media and different things happening. So I think it was definitely great to hear Molly's perspective. I think she kind of justified some of the opinions and thoughts I had about the program and also kind of dispelled some of maybe the things I was thinking as well as far as what happened with this team. It was great to hear her perspective and just her pulse on this team overall and kind of a watershed season that was very different than seasons past for this program. Caden, I think the most interesting answer that we heard was when we asked about Chase Bryce's legacy moving forward. He's a player you know, that had two pretty good seasons, uh, you know, at App State. But, Caden, you mentioned it on the episode. I know Zach Thomas, who's a good personal friend of yours, there has been a high bar that has been set uh, for quarter or quarterback play at App State. And you might be able to say that despite the accolades on the field, that Chase Bryce never quite got to that level as a Mountaineer. I think the tough thing when you look at Chase Bryce and just the App State culture as a whole, everyone we took him in. Like, we loved Chase, and he was a great and important figure of these last two seasons that App State had. The only issue is that those are teams that didn't win championships and all the quarterbacks prior to him were able to accomplish that at least one season. And I think when you look at the expectations of this program, they expect championships. So you could really argue that, listen, you could have cut Chase's stats in half. He could have been half as productive, but if he would have led a team to a championship win, we probably wouldn't have been having these conversations whatsoever. So I think it's a tough position to be in. And I think when you look at Chase's career and we talked to him, it's been a tough career and a tough journey moving forward, going from a quarterback at Duke that led the nation and interceptions to a guy that was one of the most efficient in the conference when you look at touchdown interception ratio. So I think for the App State fans, look, you can look across the conference. If you had to trade guys, if you had to draft guys in this conference, there's not many quarterbacks in this conference that are going above Chase Bryce. And I think maybe next year, depending on that quarterback position looks, maybe these guys will be having some buyer's remorse, having taking back some of those thoughts and sayings that they had about Chase Bryce, depending on how that season goes for that position. Yeah, quarterback is going to be, I think, Caden, one of the biggest questions for this App State team. We heard Molly talk about it, and, you know, there's a couple of pieces on that roster, but I don't think anyone knows what we're going to get out of this quarterback position for App State moving into this coming year. No, I think it's going to be, listen, there's a ton of issues that need to be addressed with this team, whether it's the coaching staff players, but I think this quarterback position is going to be the biggest difference and the biggest make or break part of this season, just because it's a big question mark. I talked about it a little bit with Molly. You're used to this team reloading and re-upping, and now that you're off of a season where you didn't necessarily do that as much as you want to, all eyes are going to be on that quarterback position to see if they can even come close to the standard that's been set at that position for the last couple seasons. Offensively, you're going to get a guy like Nate Noel back, but you lose a Cameron Peoples, that rushing attack. 
you know, was good at times last year, but App State definitely has to get back to that identity moving into this coming season. Caden, I know we've spent a lot of time, you and I, talking about the defensive side of the football, and that's where App State lost a lot of football games this year. I know you're partial to that side of the ball. What do they need to do, you know, looking ahead to next year to not repeat some of the performances that we saw this season? They need just an overall cleanse. The good thing about this App State team is they can watch the film. They can see and they know what the problems are within the team. Molly gave us a little bit of a perspective, but they know better than anyone. And I think when you look at this team, it's a player-led program, and the defense is a player-led program. This is a defensive unit that after the team meeting, the players only meeting every game, has their own meeting as a defense and takes a lot of responsibility for the team's success and a lot of accountability. So I think no one's going to put more pressure on this defense than they will themselves. I think some interesting moves as far as you look at the transfer portal, some of the maybe schematic changes we might see under Scott. Sloan. He's his coach that I give a huge co-sign for and can speak firsthand to his success. But maybe schematically, it's time to change some things. This is a league now we're running the ball as a premium. This is a league where defense is a premium. If you can't do those two things, you're not going to be successful. So I think if they can lean into this defense like they have in the transfer portal as a point of emphasis going into the offseason with a new leader and coach Sloan, some great things ahead for this defense who has that culture still there. It's just going to be a matter of can they execute on it. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. They went into the offseason. They thought they'd have to fill one coordinator role. Scott Sloan is now taking over that job, as we heard right before this interview was recorded. But also now you're going to have to replace Kevin Barbet, who was a really good signal caller at the beginning of the year. He goes to Mississippi State, so certainly an offseason of change in Boone, North Carolina. And they have the weight of those expectations on their shoulders heading into next year. Well, as we've done on each one of these episodes, we've taken some time to name our end-of-the-year award recipients looking at the best players uh, for each team uh, for the 2022 season. The only rule was that one player could only win one award. Caden, we're going to jump right into this for App State, and I'm going to go ahead and go first, and let's start on the defensive side of the football. Uh, You know, there was some good pieces there, but one guy who Caden... Had a good year, but you had some lofty praise at the beginning of this year. You told me that this player was going to be the Will Anderson of the Sun Belt Conference. I will say Will Anderson kind of had a little bit of a down season, but that's Nick Hampton. He was still good enough to be the defensive MVP on this team. 39 tackles, 7 sacks, created a lot of havoc with 10.5 TFLs, had those three forced fumbles, and two of them he recovered. Uh, he had a really good year, uh, just maybe not to those lofty levels that you or I maybe thought he could get to. Yeah, I was definitely the conductor of the Nick Hampton hype trim heading into the season. He still had a great year, and I think especially after that UNC game, he had a monster performance, and it looked like my pick was going to be right. But I think when you look at this overall defense, it wasn't quite good enough to really elevate him to that level. I think teams were able to key on it on him a lot just because of some of the other things that were going on up front for this team. But when you look at his body type and his build, super excited about his NFL career. He's a guy who's going to be playing in the senior bowl. So super excited about him moving forward. Let's just move to the offensive side of the ball. You look at this offensive season. It was an interesting year when you look at the running back injuries, the wide receiver reliability and depth was kind of come and go. So I kind of put those worlds together and went with a guy that isn't really talked about kind of an underrated guy on this team. And that's tight end Henry Pearson. He had 25 receptions, on the year, which was fourth on the team, 329 yards. But he led the team in receiving touchdowns with five touchdowns this season. He was a super reliable weapon for this team around the goal line, especially. And I think what you look at what he does in the blocking game, Molly talked about it a little bit earlier. The offensive line was kind of inconsistent this year, but Henry Pearson was a very consistent blocking option for this team. You can ask any linebacker in the Sun Belt or safety. You do not want to get blocked by Henry Pearson anytime soon. He was a second team all-conference collection and played in every game this season. I think that's a huge key when you look at this season and the injuries, which is a super reliable, not only receiving, but blocking threat to this team. So I wanted to give him flowers and make him the offensive MVP 
talking about one of the more reliable and promising offensive threats for this team moving forward as our freshman MVP wide receiver Dalton Stroman. He had 19 catches this year, 371 yards and four touchdowns. And all those four touchdowns were plays that could have been candidates for you got Moss. He's just a great red zone threat. He's every bit of 6'4", 200 pounds. And this is a guy that had a lineup across from on the scout team playing at App State's defense my senior year. And we knew immediately when we saw him running routes, the speed he was moving at and his ability that he was going to be a special play and move it forward. So I'm very excited as far as his offense goes next season. I think that's going to be where all eyes look to as far as who's going to be that next potential, maybe big time receiver in the conference as far as being productive. One of those guys we can look at towards the end of the season that might be a leading receiver in future years. Kane, I got to admit, I didn't expect to hear Henry Pearson as your offensive MVP, but you sold me. He had a great year there. And, you know, I think him being the offensive MVP maybe even shows some of the issues that this team had on offense this year. You're used to seeing a running back in that role. But as you mentioned in this episode, this was the first time since 2011 to not see a running back over a thousand yards. Henry Pearson certainly had a great year. Very deserving there. Caden, our team MVP, and again, he's been criticized at times, and I don't know why. Chase Bryce, 2,900 yards, 27 touchdowns through just six interceptions, nearly a 63% completion percentage, and he also rushed for four touchdowns. Caden, he had a better year this year than last year. If you look statistically, uh, Chase Bryce had a great year, although his legacy is certainly in question and will be established in years to come. In terms of numbers, Chase Bryce had the best year of any player, and he was so critical to App State this season. He was truly undeniable. And I think when you look at that criticism in a vacuum, it's easy to maybe be critical as far as wins and losses go. But even if you look at some of those losses and some of those wins, they're not those games without Chase Bryce. That UNC game, I hate to tell fans, it is not that close of a game if it's that Chase Bryce is in that game. That Texas State game that they lost to, maybe even just turned into a lopsided game if Chase Bryce wouldn't have led the charge in a comeback in the second half. So I think when you look at Chase Bryce and his career at App, he's not going to be the guy that's lifting a trophy at the end of the season. And that's something that I think the App State fans are going to give him a knock for. But as far as his value to this team, you can't deny what he was able to do for this squad. Well, it's going to be an interesting offseason in Boone, North Carolina. You haven't said that in a long time, but a lot of changes taking place and certainly a program to keep an eye on as we look ahead to 2023. Well, that will do it for another loaded episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to 730 The Game host Molly Cotton for joining us for today's episode. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode in our Sunbelt in Review series highlighting the 2022 season of the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, another team that underperformed this year. That episode's going to be on Monday. Special guest Scott Prather, who covers the Ragin' Cajuns for 103.3. The GOAT will stop by to provide an in-depth look at this year's team. Again, thanks for taking time to listen today. If you like what you heard on this episode of the Prairie and Smith Podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you never miss another episode. And if you'd be so kind, leave us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We love hearing what y'all think. Finally, take a moment to follow the show on our Twitter page at Prairie Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.